Welcome to 242, a podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church community, where we have conversations about topics that are relevant to our lives as followers of King Jesus. This is episode eight. I'm talking with Elijah Shemenda. We start by responding to the uh, Christianity Today podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And then we define masculinity and talk about shifting gender roles and norms. We talk about the phrase man up and we react to that a little bit. We talk about misogyny in biblical interpretation, the cultural forces that are displacing men and burdening women. And we talk about raising children in an intentionally gendered way. All right, Elijah. Yeah. We are, um, we were just having a long conversation about the, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Yes. The um, autopsy on Mark Driscoll. And you and I were having a lot of conversation. We, I don't think you've... Have you finished the series? Are you caught up? I am... I haven't wa- listened to the latest episode. Okay. And I've got like three or four episodes in. Yeah. So we haven't listened to all of it. And there's probably more that'll come out um, too. But we were, we were kind of keying in on the... Like the issue of masculinity and how Mark Driscoll was addressing issues surrounding masculinity. Yeah. And we decided we were going to, that's what we were going to talk. We were going to talk. We came together today to talk about something else, (laughs) but Mark Driscoll has pulled us in to his orbit. Charismatic. Right. Just amazing, man. Come on, dude. Yep. He's almost as good as your favorite guy, Rob Bell. Me and Rob. Yep. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to make up the story that I was talking about punching you, then I am going to just start saying like, man, like me and Rob love wins was like your my favorite, favorite book. book ever. So, um, so just to clarify, if you, if you missed the last podcast that Elijah and I, um, did together, yes, he threatened to punch me in the I face. I did not. And, and if we're going to talk about masculinity, oh I think goodness. you need to swear off. Um, threatening to punch people in the face for at least the next Only hour. Only if you finally take the book Love Wins from under your pillow. <laughs> what if I what if I stick it under the mattress? Okay. That, all right. I promise I will put oh under th- under threat of being punched in the oh face, I will goodness. remove Love Wins from I've my pillow. I've never done that. You never punched me or never threatened to punch I am me? Because they heard it neither. last week. It's, go back and listen. I am a man of cloth <laughs> so so maybe yeah maybe we should start there what qualifies yeah. us to talk about masculinity i think uh we're men <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, i mean that's that's <laughs> and we're raising men that's true so like and we were raised by a man yeah i'm we pretty both sure like do you think that qualifies us? I really? I think it qualifies us. I don't. So we had dads in our lives. Yep. And we are in our boys' lives. Yep. That's not bad, actually. Yeah, man. That's not bad. You laughed at me. I did. Now I agree <laughs> with you. All right. Well, so we should start by maybe like pointing at some some questions or concerns or issues that we would want that we would find important to discuss when it comes to masculinity. Yeah, I think I think like one of the big things that we were kind of just talking about maybe can be the jumping point of uh, of the conversation is the um 
in the rise and fall of, of Mars Hill, there's there's what appears to be um, this really toxic culture of toxic masculinity, right? Like, I don't know, like, there's probably multiple definitions of that. I really don't know. But, um, and, and, it, and where men are elevated, and it seems like, um, at least from, from my interpretation, from my listening, is that uh, Driscoll puts all of the onus on, on men to behave a specific way, to be responsible, and where I guess, you know, where it becomes um, toxic is that uh, women have to do their part so that uh, men would be able, you know, to behave well, right? So whether that's have sex with them whenever they want or, um, you know, don't show off certain body parts or be, I mean, he talks about in, in the podcast, like, you know, you know, be, I don't know if he's, he uses the words like be porn stars for like your husbands or whatever, but like, you know, you know, right. You know, the polls and all this other stuff. And he talks about how him and his wife are. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it gets really graphic. Uh, in some in in some of the stuff, um, I haven't gotten to that episode yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah. I mean, they they have there's there's audio of him like talking. It gets graphic, but I, I would say that like, it for me as I'm listening to it, there there were times when I was just like, man, dude, like Driscoll was was out there, and then I think. I don't know if there was an intention of the guy who's like leading that podcast. There's times I was just like, man, I, I think Driscoll was right. I think he just went about it a, a very, very, very wrong way. But I think he's 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 seeing something in manhood in mass, like you know, what I mean, that needs to be called out. And uh, and and the thing which I I think like I would love to really kind of just parse out is like just like personal responsibility for for men, right? Um, what would you say is your definition of a man or manhood or masculinity? Man, he's going to be able to chop a tree with one hand and, uh, you know, like caress like a baby lion with the other. At the same time. At the same time. It's good. So there's like three men out there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll just stop That's the it. recording at this point. That is it. No, I, I think like my definition of a man, right, is like, man, dude, that's. That's hard. I don't know if I've ever thought of that. That's a good question. I think my definition of a man is somebody who is responsible, right? Who cares about others, um, who's willing to um, serve, um, who's willing to do the hard things, um, and uh, and is also like secure in who he is, right? So I agree with all that, but here's where. So I mean, my definition of manhood would be similar. Um, but, but I always come to the second question, which is how is that different from the definition of what a good woman is or what femininity is or what, um, one has a he on it. The other one has, well, a right. she. Yeah. but, but at the end of the day, like, so what I'm getting at is really like the definition of a, of a man or of manhood or masculinity that you just offered. And that I just agreed to is really not the definition of masculinity. It's the definition of humanity of humanity. Yeah. Right. And so is there a way then of differentiating femininity and masculinity? Um, because, because what you said and what I agreed to is that 
at the core of both of those, what makes a woman a good woman or a godly woman and what makes a man a good man or a godly man is the capacity, not the capacity, the degree to which they are taking on the responsibility for their lives and the lives of people around them that God is asking them to. Yeah, right? man, that's a good question. I feel like uh, this seems like a trap question, right? And I'm not, and, and I know so that your you're wife not. is standing on the other side of that door, <laughs> and depending on how you answer, no. depends on whether or not you're sleeping on my couch tonight. Yeah, exactly, right? And it's like, I don't know, because like we live in a day and time where I think what you're asking is could, could, could be, if, if people were to answer it honestly, and this is what we're doing, right? Like honest conversations, right? Like it could become. Wait, let's pause the recording, talk <laughs> honestly, and then pick and then up the recording. Up exactly, mm. right? Like it could be a, like a, it could become like a, a bomb, right? Like it's just like, you know, boom. Like what, well, what are you, what are you saying? Like, um, is there a difference between like a man or a woman? Like, you know. Well, well there, obviously there are differences between men and women. The question is, does those, and I mean, the, the differences are, that we're talking about are predominantly biological, secondarily, not secondarily, there's, there are, to my understanding, there are some psychological differences between men and women that are predicated on the underlying biology. Yeah. But then the largest differences between men and women are actually social and. But, but that's not what I'm saying is that, and I agree with you. What I think though, is that what you're saying used to be like, that's truth. Right. right. And like, we know that, like, that's, there's not going to be a, a conversation around that. Right. Um, 10 years ago, you'd say that I'm like, yeah, we, we like, right. we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think what I am saying is that I don't think that's, that's, that there's a standard. What you just said makes complete sense to me and would made sense to everybody who I grew up with. Right. And everybody who grew up before me. I don't think that's, that's the case anymore. Yes. I, I would say though that while that was kind of the assumed truth a decade or two ago, it doesn't change the fact like those statements are either true or false independent of what society thinks about those statements. And so either it's true or it's false that men and women are biologically different. I'm pretty convinced that men and women are biologically different. The science says that it's true. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, there's no way to get around the science of that. What I am saying is that culture has now said Science yeah. be damned. Some aspects, like, you know, of what I'm saying, culture. yeah, you know, it, it, like some aspects of our culture have said, like, science be damned, right? Uh, at least uh, the culture that speaks the loudest on TV, whatever media, whatever, whatever, right, has said has said that about what what we're talking about, and has made this conversation, which should be very clear, because I think when you start breaking down, hey man, there there is certain things biologically, psychologically in the way that we are made all these different things. Right. Mm-hmm. And the way that now that plays out when we engage with one another, I think, um, what's, what's happened now is that that now becomes this muddied picture and now people want to fight against it. And I think that is part of the conversation. And I think that's, what's also happening in the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I think no, I, I like, I hear that language kind of popping out. And I'm just like, well, but so ah. this is where like, I, I hadn't quite finished what I was saying that yeah, my bad, go ahead. It's okay. Um, but just that men and women differ biologically. Yeah. And then there's also to less degree, some psychological differences between men and women. And obviously we're, we're talking about overlapping bell curves in both of those cases, mm-hmm. right? Like 
men tend to be bigger and stronger than women, but there are plenty of women who are bigger and stronger than some men. So it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, and then again, the psychological differences, there are some differences in personality profile for women in the aggregate and for men in the aggregate, but clearly that doesn't say anything about any individual woman or an individual man. Mm -hmm. Um, But then where it gets interesting, and this is where I think a lot of the churn has happened over the course of the last few generations is that historically speaking, I think the larger differences between men and women actually was at the social level with cultural norms and gender roles, right? Like, so as much as there were, and and I think all of that was predicated on the underlying biological and psychological differences of men and women that do exist. But what's happened is, and I would argue that a lot of this is driven by technological change, the chief among them, the birth control pill, that, that those underlying biological differences matter less today than they did a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's causing all sorts of unraveling of all of the cultural aspects of gender on that sit on top of the biological differences because the biological differences have been minimized. And what we're dealing with is the, again, the unraveling of all of these cultural norms around what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. So that, that question that I asked you about like, okay, well, so what's the difference between a responsible human who is male and a responsible human who is female. And both of us were like, Oh, I, I don't know. How do we answer that? Well, a hundred years ago, that was easy. Yeah. If you were a woman, there, there wasn't a choice around whether or not you were going to be a wife and a mother. If you were going to be a wife, you were going to be a mother. And there wasn't really any mm-hmm. choice around that. Whereas today there's a choice around that. Yeah. And if you were a woman a hundred years ago before birth control pill, you didn't have the option of having a career other than mother because you would literally spend the first 40 years of your life having babies and raising them. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't really a choice around that. Like yeah. biologically there, there wasn't an option to not do that other yeah. than don't be married. Yeah. Right. And then for men, <laughs> because you had 30 kids running around, like there weren't a lot of options for you either. It was like, well, I've got this one career path open to me, farmer, warrior, whatever it is. I just got to do that. Yeah. So like the, the kind of like gender roles that worked in society, you know, for generations, were driven by a lot of those biological differences that actually have been minimized in, in the last few generations. And, and, and for good reason, like we, we should be dismantling and putting back together some of our ideas around gender. We should be doing that. Yeah, definitely. But now that we're doing that, I think that that's actually the proximate cause of the situation that a Mark Driscoll was, was noticing. Like some of the, the thing you and I have talked about, like, you know, there are other voices in society too who are pointing at the issue of men not understanding what it means to be a man because we live in a society and in, in, in a day and an age where our like our ideas about gender are being deconstructed. And so you have generations of young men who don't really understand what it means to be a man. Yeah. And I, I would say like that whole thing is different for women. It's very different. It's the same root causes like technology driving some of these changes that's leading to, you know, this, this deconstruction of gender roles. I would say for men, it looks a lot more like young men feeling, uh, or not indispensable, feeling dispensable, lacking some sense of clear purpose, not taking responsibility and essentially opting out of life. Whereas mm, for women, yeah. I would say women are being given almost the exact opposite message, which is women, you now have all of the obligations of the previous generations of women to be a wife and a mother, right? So you have all mm-hmm. of that. 
And you also now have all of the obligations of manhood too. go have a career and make a name for yourself in the world. Right. And so women have almost the opposite problem of men, I think, in the way that we're deconstructing and reconstructing gender, which is basically men are no longer needed and women are going to do both what men and women did. So, so to be, cause I, I'm following, I'm tracking, I'm with you here. I think, I guess like on the opposite it would be good if we had like Side. a woman in the room. That would have been, I mean, that would have been perfect. Uh, well, well we're, if you're listening to this, make sure that um, you listen to the next one where we have our wives on to correct exactly. us. Like nothing you said was, was accurate. Uh, no, I guess like on the other the, side. The only question is, will we be allowed to be in the room when Janie and Tammy have <laughs> Jan, <laughs> Janie and Tammy on masculinity, <laughs> masculinity, a correction. Yes. <laughs> Uh, please uh, disregard the previous podcast. Uh, no, uh, I guess like, uh, you know, to play double advocate, it would be to say like, like are women, are, are women uh, saying that men are now disqualified or why are men no. self disqualifying themselves yeah. from this? Because it, it, they might say like, it does seem like you have all the same opportunity to do what you've always done. You right. just don't like that. I get to have the oper- choice to be able to do it sure. as well. Right. Yeah, um, I don't think, I think for the, in very, with, with very few exceptions, I don't think any of these things are consciously pursued by anybody. Like yeah. I think most of the thing, most cultural trends are not like somebody's design. They, but they are things that just kind of happen within a culture but I think that's important to to, yeah. to say because I, I I do think like I, you know I'll listen to uh, other talking heads and thinkers around this, this 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 and they would they what they would say is that no like women's progress is actually pushing me to regress like you know what I mean like that's that's their argument you know yeah. like society's now come to this place and so and I think like it's important to say like no I don't I, I don't I I yeah, I yeah I very much disagree I think it's like what you said before men are abdicating their their, the roles that they've had, right? You know, it just because the playing field has become, uh, you know, more stacked. I yeah. I mean, I just would say different in that. So, for men historically, the definition be so beyond the basic definition that we both agreed to. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, this is the definition of manhood. Oh, it turns out that's also the definition of womanhood. Okay, so that's the definition of human beings, right? That's yeah. what a godly human looks like is somebody who's taking responsibility for themselves and other people around them, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, love God, love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Exactly. Oh, okay. So that, but, but that's not unique. That's not gendered, yeah. right? Well, so if you go back and, and neither one of us were really comfortable offering like a gendered answer to that question, <laughs> but a hundred years ago, nobody would have been confused about it. It yeah. would have been very simple. Like to be a man is to protect the weak, yeah. right? Which specifically meant women and children, right? Which yeah. is something we wouldn't be comfortable saying today because yeah. you're not allowed to say something like that. And there, there's both silly reasons why you can't say something like there's reasons why it's silly to think that you can't say that, but also there's legitimate reasons why it's no longer appropriate to consider, you know, men, the strong ones and women, the weak ones, because the world has changed. Can I ask you a quick question? And I want you to keep, I want you to keep going there because I I, I appreciate where you're going, but like, so if we're on a boat yes, and and, uh, the boat starts going down, yes. Is it, is it then appropriate for me to say me first? (laughs) 
And if women and children want to come, <laughs> like, or do, do Elijah's going to, on this boat. <laughs> if you're strong enough to make it on the boat, <laughs> like, I mean, and I'm not even saying that, but like, you, you get what I'm saying? Right. Like, because I feel like these things break down and certain, like, would like my wife then say, like, dude, what the heck, bro? Like you know say, I'm like, listen, this is equal for everyone at this point. Like, I believe you have the same strength and you have yeah. the same abilities as me, and and justice and and our three month old daughter. So like, <laughs> this is equality. You know what I mean? Like, be brave, honey. <laughs> be brave. Like, Ho- hopefully, I'll see you on the shore. <laughs> I just feel like, the, yeah. I mean, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> so you're not touching that. <laughs> no, I'll touch it. I mean, I think, I think. So you just go let me be the only one who has to sleep on couches. I, I think I what I would say is, well, and I, so I, I don't know how your wife would answer this question. Although I have some suspicions based on what I know of her biography, um, which I just noticed this, our wives share some interesting biographies yeah. too. We, we were commenting on the last, uh, last time together that we have a lot in common. <laughs> yes, so do they. Anyway, so my wife is, um, I mean, you know, she, she's, she's a product of her generation like most people are, but she also is a you know farm kid and has, she is, um, she's not a prissy woman mm-hmm. and she does not appreciate prissy men. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have plenty of faults being prissy is not. Among <laughs> them. <laughs> so, um, I guess, I don't know. We can, we can talk about whether or not that's a, a fault. Um, Anyway, but, but I do, I happen to feel like it is, even though I might be wrong. I lost my train of thought. So, um, yes, whether or not, (laughs) so I do think that men still have a role as protectors and providers. Mm. Um, but again, that is rooted in like underlying biological realities that actually don't matter as much today as they did a hundred years ago. And so, what that means is that I think men still have some of those same roles and that that is a part of the way that we should think about defining masculinity, but also we should recognize that there are ways in today's world where women are just as capable of men mm-hmm. as being protectors and providers yeah. and that they're like men have always had the capacity to nurture, you know, so it's yeah. not like we didn't have that capacity um, again, overlapping bell curves and that in today's world, it does make sense for some men in some circumstances to define their masculinity or their manhood or their role in terms of nurturing. that more like nurture, you know? So, yeah. so I think, so what it really boils down to is we do live in a day and in an age where I don't think we need to chuck the old gender norms or old gender roles, but they do need to be watered down. And there does need to be, I mean, my understanding is that in most cultures, there was some fluidity between the genders, but not a lot. Yeah. Right. So it's not yeah. like there were completely firm fixed roles in any society. Um, but, but they were largely fixed and largely controlled. And that what we, what we have seen today is a dim- diminishment of those, the, the firmness of those boundaries, which I think is good. What I think is bad is the chaotic undoing and redoing of gender norms and generals. That's the part I think that's really damaging is the 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 turbulence yeah but i think the fact that there's change happening and the fact that that change looks like um you know uh a not complete but partial decoupling of gender roles from underlying biological differences that to me seems good yeah i feel like man one i again like i i just totally agree with that i know we've had this conversation i know that you've done a lot of reading up on 
on on this. I think just for me, um, I can just remember when I was in my early 20s um, and there was just this movement um, to kind of bring this all the way back around to the <clears throat> Mars Hill thing um, uh, of, of, of men kind of moving and, and, and try to redefine like what, what does it mean to be like a godly man, right? And because it kind of felt like everything was changing really fast. Now there's, there's reasons I, I do think for that, that were happening socially. Right. Um, um, one of, well, I'm not going to even go into that, but, but uh, we'll, we'll pause and talk about that later. But like, I, I think uh, for, for me, like it, it did feel like to be a, a Christian man meant that I needed to step up and, and, retake what was what culture had taken from me right right and i and i could say like i i don't think that was necessarily i don't think that was healthy i agree yeah i I don't know how much that was rooted in issues specific to masculinity i think that that probably had a lot more to do with the fact that the the church was just engaged in culture war constantly and was going to fight it on whatever front it came across yeah, I mean, they definitely they definitely defined it as, as as such. You know what I mean? Like right. it was definitely defined of like, do you want to regain back your voice? Do you want to be like there was like the you know the the act like a man conference or whatever, um, you know or you know just like different different things like that, which I think you know were were calling for 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 men to be men, even even like that that phrase men. Men need to be men, and like you hear it even in in uh, right. Driscoll's language. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying like you know stop stop acting like so, little girls, right. and and what that does is j- just real quick, what that does is that also puts a connotation of what like women are right. Like don't act like little girls as if that's a bad. So thing. I would I, well, I'd be curious to know like to take this conversation way more personally for a minute. Yeah. So I would imagine that for you, again, given our similarity in personality and background, yeah, that language like man up actually does something to your soul. Oh yeah. <laughs> like touches 100%. you, right? Yeah. What what happens there? Like, like how I, do you res- how do you respond to that? What's going on inside of you when somebody's like man up? Yeah, man, like it's that's on some like the inner beast wakens inside of you. You know what I think of? You remember that <laughs> you remember that scene in um um uh, was it Troy and like Achilles just comes through and they're just like, it's the beginning scene. And he's oh, yeah, just yeah. like, they're like, you know, he has this champ chamber, uh, challenger. Boy, Boy yeah. is like the big giant. And, and he just comes through and he just, it's done. And he just like, it's standing in front of their whole army. He's like, is there anyone else? That's to me, that's the image that is conjured up inside of me. <laughs> is there anyone else? <laughs> like, is, is there, I'm, I'm just saying like, there is, there, there is that channeling your like, inner Achilles. Yeah, man. Just. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, now put your pastor hat back on. Yeah. Is that healthy? Unhealthy? What is that? That is a good question. I think. Yeah, I think if you asked me this question about a month or so ago, <laughs> a month, uh, not not a month, so maybe two, three months ago, I would have said um, it's healthy. 
This I is prior to listening to the Mar- Mars Hill. No, it's not even that. <laughs> now I, that I've been listening to Mark Driscoll, I realize how unhealthy that is. No, I, what changed? No, the uh, what changed was uh, I've been going through, um, um, what's that book? Um, ah, it's, the, it's the big one right now. Um, oh, my goodness. Hold on a second. I'm going to pull it up. I should. I, 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 it was in my head, and I can't think about it right now. Um, it is Jesus and John Wayne. Oh yeah, yeah. Who is that? Who I heard of that? I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, that's um, what's her name? Um, uh, oh, I know Christine. Who, um, yeah. I know who told Obez me about Dumais. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she like I I think like I've. I'm rethinking <laughs> I, that. That makes me rethink it. Okay. Yeah, because she have, she have she you does, settled on a new thought, or are you still just deconstructing the old thought? I think I'm still deconstructing the old thought. I I don't have a new thought on it. I do think like I so like me and my so perfect example right my my in laws which are in you know they definitely grew up I don't know what where what generation they'll be considered they're in their seventies would they be boomers still. Yeah. Right. So like they're definitely boomers. They definitely have a de- like a way of like in which they think about um, like masculinity, femininity, right. all that. Right. Like it's from the ge- their generation. The gender, the gender roles are very defined. They, they sit squarely on top of the underlying biology and psychology and they don't really deviate from them. Exactly. Right. And 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 like, man, they interact really well with each other. Super. Resp- I mean, one of the healthiest marriages, right? Like I've ever been around um, and there's no domineering or whatever. Right. Uh, so it's not unhealthy. But at the same time, the roles are more clearly defined. Yeah. The roles are more, more clearly defined. Um, I, I would say that like we had this, we had this conversation even in how we've communicated scripture, mm-hmm. right? Um, about what masculinity looks like. And masculinity always looks like the hero in the story. Right. And femininity always looks like the the one which is doing something wrong. The So like even in the in the conversation of like, um, you know, David and Bathsheba, Bathsheba was just as equally. A, she was enticing David. Right. And and just like having the conversation of like you're saying was, that's what's in the biblical text or that's how people. Have that's told how the story. that's how people have told the story. Gotcha. And OK, like, you know, what I'm saying and like. And people like I know people in in, in my own within, family. Within what context are people telling stories that way? Are you like sermons? So you're just saying like within the context of the churches of the you church. were raised in. Yeah, not 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 me, but like what they were talking about. Like they were saying, that. and I would actually I, I would say like, you know, I mean, my dad was my pastor. He never communicated like that. I, I just want to make sure I put that on. He's right like, now. he's like your mother. <laughs> Let me tell you what your mother did. <laughs> but I saved her. But I saved no. But like I do, I would say that I I know growing up in the South. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Tennessee. Here, like that wasn't an uncommon theme in the scriptures. Really, like yeah. women are the villains and men are the heroes. Yeah, maybe not not as maybe as straightforward as just as that, but definitely it came out. Huh. In, in ways like that through through sermons like you know like you know a Jezebel like people would go around saying like that person has a Jezebel spirit you know but isn't like doesn't that in and of itself assume that there are women without a Jezebel spirit yeah right it does it does but like I I, I think it's 
what comes from what like there's there's something that there's a plant that grows from that seed. You know what I'm saying? I I mean yeah. I'm not trying to comment on or I am commenting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you what you grew up with. No, it's just surprising to me because that's yeah. I wouldn't describe. I think you're thinking about it black and white, right? Like, and I what I'm saying is that like, I just like that. That is foreign, and I mean yeah. I recognize that I am more a product of my mom and dad's influence than any church that I was a part of because they, like, they took like we. We didn't go to any one church growing up. We went to lots of different kinds of churches. And mm-hmm. obviously we only went to the churches that kind of fit the mold of what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And I know, well, so I know this, <laughs> this is a true story. So my mom, she has probably put her foot down like, so, so this is the thing. My dad, if you, if you saw my parents like in public or you interacted with them, you would think of my dad as the domineering person because of his personality Every single time in the history of my parents' relationship that I'm aware of that my mom put her foot down, she got her way and my dad lost. Every (laughs) single time. But because of my mom's temperament, she's done that like five times in 50 years. You know what I mean? She doesn't really put her foot down very often, but she wins every time. So one of those times, I was in like junior high or high school, junior high. We were going to this church and it was actually a church that my dad really started to make some friends in. Um, and they didn't really do that too much. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the pastors gave a sermon. Uh, the title was "Love Them and Lead Them," and it was about male headship in the family. Mm-hmm. And my after the service, my mom told my dad, "The only way we're going back to that church is if you take me in there on a leash." Mm. And so we never went back to that wow. church. Wow! Wow! So all that to say, like. Yeah my parents' influence has probably shaped the way I perceived what the church yeah. was like around gender. And and so maybe like what I would perceive as a difference between California church culture and Southern church culture. It's definitely different. Is So yeah. it could be that, but it, it could yeah. just also be like the influence of Sharon Shank. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's probably both, right? Like I think definitely, I don't know what's happening in the West, but I do know like you cats out West definitely don't think the way we do down South, right? Yeah, like, we, <laughs> so, so. we don't think that women caused all the problems. And <laughs> so like, know. but like even that sermon though, like, like I think there's, there's something there, right? Like no, no one preaches that like, Hey, what happened to Hagar is, is wrong. And like the reason why, um, God is leading Abraham to to basically take his son's life, his promised son's life, is because Abraham has been making a very long string of bad decisions and and been doubting God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Abraham is not that's just something that he got to do because he was the man, right? Or like, you know, just like mm. like even there's there's no parsing out like what's actually happening in there, right? You know what I'm saying? How that conversation is being played out. Now, obviously, there's historical things there and the way people behave, but to be also to be able to say, like, no, like that wasn't God's plan for a for, for Abraham. He shouldn't have taken uh Hagar. And Hagar, who knows? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's just getting she just has to do it, right? Like, there's there's problems there. And and you're saying that would never have been preached in church. That wasn't either. that wasn't communicated. That yeah. was like, hey, Hagar, uh, Abraham did this, and that's you know, and and so, and, and I don't think like it wasn't until later on in my life that I realized like, oh, look, Abraham has been making bad decisions. He's been abusing his wife every time he feels threatened. He's like, you can have her, <laughs> like, he was, like you know what I mean, like right. like she's disposable, and like I think like 
the way that the messages have been, right? Like, it's like, here's these women that they can tempt you. Like, and if they do this and they can do that. And what I'm saying is that like, that affects the True. way that you, like when you're growing up and you're thinking about masculinity in the Christian space, that, that does affect the way you engage. Like, you know I mean, what I'm saying? Though, so I don't recall the first time really I ever engaged around the Abraham and Hagar story. So I don't know, you know, maybe I heard it preached that way a dozen times before I was ever paying attention in church. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't ever recall being taught that. What I recall being taught is, boy, isn't God gracious because look at what an idiot and a coward Moses is. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Abraham is. I don't know where I got to Moses. Moses was kind of, he wasn't as, no, he was kind of a coward too, actually. But, but so I, I never, I've never heard, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that. I have heard that like, man. Abraham, it's like, he has these decisions or whatever he's made. And now he's at this place and now God is testing him. And it's, it's totally separated from the decisions that he's made and the way that he abused people that were supposed to be in his care. Yeah. No, right? I like never, like th- I said, th- those things were divorced. I don't know. I mean, I, either, either I just wasn't paying attention when I was being preached all the misogyny <laughs> And then, then, so that's evidence of God's grace in my life. One way or the other, either it's God's grace that I was raised in California or it's God's grace that I wasn't paying attention when I was being taught to be be a jerk. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was a jerk in other ways, (laughs) but yeah, I, I guess those are ways that I, that would be surprising to me to hear that. Yeah. To hear somebody like preaching that story and talking about like Hagar is the villain or, Well, not not Hagar as a villain, but just discarding Hagar altogether. Like this is just something that happened, and yeah, I think right. that's almost as bad as saying like Hagar is the one that's because it dis- disregards the bigger story that's happening. Why God is yeah. is is now saying, okay, Abraham, me and you need to have a heart to heart, and this is the way that I'm going to have your no, attention. I mean, right? I definitely remember. Uh, I mean. You know, I don't really remember specific sermons or things like that, but I mean, I remember the story of Abram and Hagar and Ishmael as a story of Abraham's sin against Hagar Mm -hmm. um, and against God. And that like Hagar was the victim of Abraham's, like, that's how I would read that story. And that's not like a new reading that I've come to. That's just the way I, and again, I don't know if I got taught that in third grade or 12th grade or, you know, when I was I just 25. say that's great Bible teaching because I'm telling you, like, I've never, like, I I don't remember that conversation ever happening. And, and on top of that, like, I don't know how much, like, Christian television that you watched. None. It's not even played out that way no, in that. Christian television. You know who's played out as the bad guy? It's it's Sarah. She's she in in like in like the movies like she's like hey here's this and Abraham's like okay I guess if you want me to sleep with my my this other woman I will <sighs> okay and then like she's like I'm jealous you know take this woman away like that's literally how like huh. I can I can show you movies after movies and what I'm saying is that there's this underlying current like that that definitely pushed that yeah. way and taught us, I mean, taught us that that's, that's the way we engage with scripture. And you know, I mean, it was, that's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's both proof that Christian art is bad <laughs> and I don't know, something else. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I was listening to, um, one of my professors, uh, Lynn Kohick, um, who is a new Testament scholar. She's 
like amazing. Like she's wrote like a, a, a award-winning New Testament book on like the women of the uh, New Testament. I mean, of, of scripture. Um, and and she was just talking about like why why this is is problematic, um, and like somehow like not being able just to tell the story the way that you learned it, which is, is awesome. And isn't that just the story though? <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's just the story. Just and that's what I think she was saying. Like she's like just just telling the story, and somehow we have to like downgrade people, and it it creates this weird this weird vortex, right? That like spawns like sermons, like what Driscoll preached, mm. right? Where he's like, you know, it was called like the message was called like ho ho ho, and he was talking about all these like prostitutes in, like you know, um, in Jesus's lineage, and he and again like in that message, like he talks about Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, as like this woman who's like the sleazy woman who's like, you know, enticing David, mm. right? Like and. David has no part to play in that. We're not. We're going to disregard that he's not even supposed to be where he's at at that time. Sure. We're going to disregard the fact that, like, it's night. Like, you, he's watching someone who's probably thinking, like, "Hey, I have the roof to myself to bathe." Right? Like, this is culture. Like, we just we don't even exegete that. We're just like, look at what she's doing. She's going to king, and that like somehow that she has a choice when the king calls you in that day and time, right? But like, that's the message that he preaches, and. Yeah, I just like there's there's all of those things I think mm-hmm. that that definitely I would have when you asked me a question before a couple months ago I'd be like yeah yeah no I, I think that still comes up but now I'm starting to say like man actually hmm, I, I don't I don't know so the man up thing like so there there man there's too many trains of thought to pull them all together <laughs> right so the man up thing and whether or not that's good or bad and the fact that you would have said yes and now you would say no. And then this whole, the, this, the last, whatever, 10 or 15 minutes of our conversation talking about basically misogynistic biblical interpretation. I mean, which that, I don't know, there's no other way to describe what you're describing than that. Like that's not only is it bad biblical interpretation, but it's bad biblical interpretation that is intentionally, yeah, misogynistic. There's no other way to say it. So, so that, that, that's disappointing and disturbing But I, I'm, I guess I'm curious how that is connected to this idea of manning up, which, you know, you talked about like channeling your inner Achilles, the warrior, when you hear that phrase. And I guess what I would say if I was going to respond to that is yeah. I have the same response. Yeah. And that, that response is a call to... Heroic courageous response to difficulty or uncertainty. That's really what that is. Right. And that, that certainly can be channeled in unhealthy ways. Right. So it's not like that's perfect or, or pristine, but it is like, it is a good thing. It's just, it's a good thing that could be used for good or ill. Right. But it is a good thing. And the, the calling of men to be strong in a moment where they are like because of threat to life or liberty or whatever are, are tempted to be weak. Like that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Right. And so I would say that that's not something that I would question whether or not it's good or bad. Now, whether if you're going to say, you know, man up, go kill that person. Okay. Well maybe that's bad. Yeah. Right. If you're going to say man up, 
I don't know what, like you, you know, like, Hey, we're going to go rob a bank, man up. Okay. Well, no, that's not a healthy thing. But if you're going to say, you know, like, well, like this is something that has happened in my own life, in my own marriage, man up, you're gonna have to figure out how to love your wife again. Yeah. I know you guys have gone through a rough patch and you don't really want to be with her anymore. Mm-hmm. Man up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know your kids are <laughs> annoying you this morning and you just want to like go veg out in front of the TV, man up. Yeah. Right. And so like that, it, so it could be for good or for ill, but that calling of men to engage from a place of sacrifice and courage is a good thing. What I would say is that that still just points back to that original definition of manhood that actually also works for womanhood too. Like, yeah. like I would imagine that there are plenty of women, they're not going to respond the same way to man up that men are, but yeah. that call to courageous sacrificial action is something that is the same for men and for women. And so I want, that's why I'm curious. So if we're going to yeah. frame it that way, yeah. like how, how then does that, I think, I like think why would, why would the, the like misogynistic biblical interpretation change your perspective on, I think that I think it's precisely that, right? Like, I think maybe my hesitation of saying, you know, this, like I need to be headstrong or whatever and just go and like do it. Right. Like, which I think is a healthy way that, that you define defined it i think the reason why i was thinking about it is because when we start adding scripture to that Mm. it 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 almost feels like we're saying we're not saying in a healthy way that like actually god's design is that we all would man up woman up we all have this same similar responsibility that god actually desires us to you know um overcome the challenges that are in front of us you know uh, because he's given us gifts and talents to be able to do that and the people to be able to do that with. Um, and I think like where I, I start finding hesitation, where I, where I find hesitation is that um, like I kind of go back and say like, man, look at this this environment that was created for me to kind of think through those lenses. Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't seem like the healthy description that you're saying. It actually seems from a Christian perspective. And I think that's where like your original question, if I remember correctly, the reason why I respond this way, your original question takes me to like, yeah, if scripture's being taught wrongly, that's not, that's not what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? That makes me second guess my, my thoughts there. But like, but if scripture is being taught rightly, right. And we're doing it rightly. I, I don't find any hesitation there to be able to say like, yes, no, that's a good godly biblical call for me to actually stand up and do what God has created me to do. And I don't need to have fear around that. But I I do think because now we now live in this environment and now these things are being exposed. I think that even men in churches, just like when we talk about the culture outside of the church, we're feeling the same pressures of like, well, now I feel displaced. Right. Oh yeah. And so like, what does that actually mean for me now? How do I actually do this well? Because I don't want to hurt my sisters and I don't want to be come across as a misogynist, right? Do I abdicate that? And our sisters are saying like, I haven't, I, I, you know I'm saying? I don't want you to, to abdicate your role. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's right. not even where we're at. Like, right. we're just saying where we used to be, we're not going to tolerate, you know, you not, exegeting the scripture correctly (laughs) you know what i'm saying and i think like it's it's these conversations which are being missed and i 
Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know if like yeah. what I'm saying is I clear, so. but yeah. 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 <laughs> so th- a, a question that we really started with. Yeah. I want to come back to, cause I still don't feel like we've totally done justice to the question of what does it mean to be a man? No, we, we did. We haven't differentiated from the answer to what does it mean to be a woman? Right. So, yeah. and I mean, I know, I, I think at the end of the day, I would be tempted to just answer it the traditional way. Yeah. But with like, just more of a caveat, like that's probably if I was going to answer, I mean, at the end of the day, the way that I have tried to live out what it means to be a man in front of my sons and in front of my daughter, the way that I have encouraged them to be men or to be women or to think about the women that they want to marry or the men, man, in my daughter's case, because I only have one daughter and she's only going to marry one man, um, yes. <laughs> the man that she will marry, um, uh, is in many ways, I like I think my wife and I, we exhibit way more like typical gender normative, like gender norms, like from, from history. Um, but also with like plenty of flexibility and fluidity compared to like what would have been considered normal a few generations back. So like, you know, I do way more of the like physical heavy stuff, physically hard stuff. Like that's more my role. Tammy does way more of the kind of like nurturing and you know, like that's more her role. Um, that like, so they're like some of those more like, you know, like, okay, well this is what men do and this is what women do. Yeah. We, we kind of tend to do that stuff. I mean, you know, like yeah. if somebody's going to pick the color of paint on the walls, it's going to be my wife. If somebody's going to put flowers on the table, it's going to be her. It's going to be me doing it for her because I know she like you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like we do a lot of those kinds of things that way. Having said that we're like super flexible about that stuff. Like I don't feel weird about you know, I, I'm not like, oh no, my wife is lifting something. My masculinity is threatened and she's not, you know, like, like we're, we're definitely fluid around that. And I think, you know, when it comes to like decision-making in the home or like, we're incredibly democratic between the two of us. Like yeah, we're, yeah. we're constantly seeking unity We're you know what I mean? So like the, I think that, that there are ways in which you would look at us and you would go, oh, like that's like, that seems kind of like an old fashioned marriage. But then there are also ways you'd be like, oh no, that doesn't seem like an old fashioned marriage. I mean, like, I don't, I don't walk in and go, honey, what's What's, for dinner? dinner? Yeah. Yeah. I don't sit down and wait for her to serve me. Like I don't be wearing dinner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and so, yeah, I don't know. Like, but, but, but at the same time, like there are ways even that we engage around the kids or whatever that, but I think that, that, that has way more to do with our temperaments than with, um, like some sort of like cultural expectations that we brought into the marriage with us. Well, so like the argument I think like that is made outside of the church and I can just think of like three, four people in my head right now. Um, and I'm not going to name them cause everybody would know who they are. They're kind of like big talking heads or whatever is that actually society runs better when those, those things, those gender roles are in place when, like the way that they would call define whatever masculinity and femininity is that society as a whole actually operates at its best. Right. Um, when, when men are filling the, the stereotypical gender role yeah, for men and women. Yeah, provider, warrior, 
gatherer and then like nurturers so, like that's 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 the I've, argument i've right? heard people make that argument i don't i don't actually buy it i yeah. think what i would say is that what i think is is best for society would be for men and women to be free to make their way in the world without a ton of social pressure or expect or let's say it this way there's always going to be social expectation, but if we remove any kind of like social punishment for deviation, right? So like people, you know, like this is how men dress. If you, you know, Elijah, if you want to wear a dress and Janie's down with it, you just do whatever you, you do you, right? Like, I know, <laughs> but that's what I'm no. saying. But, 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 but here's the thing. If that world does exist, yeah, you still don't wear a dress cause you don't want to. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that world is the better world. But if we live in that world, which like we've, we've fairly moved into that world, not completely. And there's yeah. still a lot of the hangover from before, but really, at least in the West, we've pretty much moved into the world where like, you just do whatever you want. doesn't yeah. matter if you're a man or a woman, you could do whatever you want. Um, again, there's, there's the hangover of what came before. We're not done with the after effects of, of previous ways of thinking about masculinity and femininity and gender roles and gender norms. But we have moved beyond that which I think is good. Yeah. But yeah. then what that means is, is that, that if there actually are biological and so psychological differences between men and women, then there will still be trends. Like yeah. men will act in certain ways and women will act in certain ways and they will be different. And I think that also is good that we don't expect people to go against their biology or go against their psychology, which again, like in our, in my marriage, yeah, like that looks like my wife and I, because of our temperaments, really kind of like we end up like not completely and not rigidly, but we end up living out some fairly, you know, historically normative ways of being men and women in a marriage together. Yeah. Well, why, why is that bad? That seems good that, but we choose it freely without like people, you know, it's not like Tammy is like, Oh no, I don't want my neighbors to know that you know, <laughs> I don't like to cook. So I, therefore I'll cook. She's like, no, I, li I like cooking and whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's so like the fact that, that I don't grow flowers and she does is something that doesn't come out of like the fact that I'm afraid that my neighbors will know that I like flowers. It's yeah. just, I just don't like, flowers. You don't like flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, I think, I, and so this is, I have no idea if that's like a gen. You, do you think historically men didn't grow flowers? I think they did. I think they were great. Garden. Mm. Was didn't I don't like, know. Uh, Solomon like built like now everybody knows that I define my masculinity <laughs> by not liking flowers. <laughs> like, like I think like they they came from far and wide to see Solomon's gardens. Um, man, I, I like but you I, know Solomon didn't grow the flowers. Nah, he, grow <laughs> he just told a bunch of people to grow them. Uh, then he took credit. But were they mostly men or women? Good question. Right, like so. so you, the, you know this. You know the answer to this question. <laughs> the chief gardeners were all men. Yeah. The real question is who was actually touching the flowers who was planting the seeds and harvesting the flowers. That's the question. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not historically, you know, credentialed enough to have this conversation to that level. Nope. <laughs> no, but I, I think like, again, my, you should Google it. What's the gender ratio of Babylonian oh. gardeners? <laughs> see if that's, that see if that's <laughs> on Wikipedia. Is that it? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, but I still like. I did we answer that question though? Nope. I you see because I think it's it's a moving. 
I think what we're saying, what we're coming down to, it's a moving target because what I am almost seeing, like as we're having this conversation, there's there's thoughts of like, okay, well then how do men operate? Because like, here's what's very true to me and I know it's true to you. Your sons are way ahead of my sons. Your sons are teenagers. They're both teenagers, right? Mine is a toddler. And so like, I am raising my son in a certain way. In a way that I pray is not misogynistic, in right. a way that I pray like communicates the gospel well in a holistic way, telling him that his sister has the same God giving rights and gifts to be right. able to, you know, make the choices that she wants to make and do all the things that she has to do that God, you know what I'm saying, to fill fulfill her life in the way they're supposed to. But I am also raising my son in a specific type of way, right? To play hard, to uh to jump, to to grab tree limbs, to fall, and to to suck it up when he when he falls. And I know people are gonna be like, well, you should allow your child to cry. And I'm sorry, like maybe that's the way that you want to raise your son. Like I won't like stop you from there. And I'm not trying to r- raise like an emotionally stunted young man, but there is something about I think the type of Achilles masculinity. But right? would you but would you do that differently for your daughter? I wouldn't. Right. See, I wouldn't, but I also think like there is so things the, that in my wife that okay. will naturally lean a little bit more to nurturing, right? Mm. And saying, and I mean, and maybe I'm just talking about my wife, right? But that will kind of say like, hey, um, like, yeah, it's okay. And, and, my, and my, I think the beautiful thing is that my son will get some of that from my, my, right. my wife and my daughter will get some of that from from me, right? Because that's the way I was raised. I think I was raised in a healthy way, where, right? Where the two yeah. were able to be them. And is that masculine? Now, it's not saying that if you right. don't cry, that's well. Not, that's like that's like. But you women said don't. though, what I heard you say is that you're going to raise your son and your daughter the same way, and your wife is going to raise your son and your daughter the same way. But the assumption is that your daughter will just get more of your wife's personality, and your son will get more of yours. Yes. So. And I don't know. Look, I this still want to know, though. This is what I want to know. Whoa, wait, 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 before you go there, because I like this is so tough. I know you. I, I know you got a good question. <laughs> like, I hate, I hate that it may come across as I'm trying to say like. So that means my daughter gets to play with the dolls, and my son gets to to like yeah, but you jump just, on. You just gyms. said that you're going to encourage them both the same way. Yeah, and, that's and, okay. So right. I just want to make sure that that's coming across. Like, no, no you said I am that. going to encourage that's right. them. Cause I was like, well, way. how are you going to raise your son differently yeah. than your daughter? And you're like, well, I'm going to make them be tough. And I'm like, well, is that going to be different with your daughter? No, it'll be the same. So it's not different. It's the same. Yeah. So that's my question. Tell okay. me like, so I, I, I would be hard. I like, I know I can think of some ways, but I would be hard pressed to really pinpoint the ways in which I have raised my daughter differently than my sons that has anything to do with their gender. I mean, cause I've raised all three of them differently cause they're just three different kids. Yeah. So when it comes There's to that their, aspect, right? When it comes to their temperament, they have gotten different things from mom and dad because the kids are different. But in terms of like, Oh Zoe, you're a girl, you get this Zane and Aiden, you're boys, you get this. I, I mean, definitely not, you know, I mean like my daughter likes choking people out for fun. You know what yeah. I mean? She's not a, She's not a prissy kid. You know what I mean? Like, Would you say you disciplined your children all the exact same way? No, but also that was rooted in temperament. Yeah. Like Zoe pretty much the only, like Zoe didn't need to be disciplined except for when she was trying to parent me and I had to tell her to stop. Yeah. So 
that's just her. So like, I think like I could definitely see, I did this with my, my younger brothers, right? Like my, he didn't need me to parent him cause he had a good dad. Like my dad's a great dad. Right. But like, um, and my mom's a great mom. Just want to put that there. <laughs> right. But like, I, love you, I would say, <laughs> love you mom. Mama uh, Shemenda, you're the best. <laughs> I would say like with my brother, when he was learning how to play football, right? Like I was tough with him with my sister when she was learning how to play like tennis or whatever like I was tough with her I I coached them both like aggressively because that's the way that I like to learn right at the same time I wasn't like hitting balls at my sister's head right like tennis balls at my sister's head but I definitely would have done that for my my brother Josh in fact when he played to teach him how to tackle I literally put him in full pads and I told him if he doesn't hit me as hard as he can I will with no pads will hit him as hard as I can. Guess what? He became one of the hardest hitters on his football team, right? right. There's a couple of kids with broken collarbones to, to boot. Now, that may seem like, it, oh, man, that's how does, too aggressive. No, no, no. How does that make you feel when you say that? Like thing? like Achilles. <laughs> I knew Wait, it. You I get what I'm saying? But yes. that's what I'm saying, My right? brother broke bones because of me, right? No, I know. Is that is that toxic? And Okay, I do have that, to say this. You have to hear this. This is totally aside, but you'll appreciate it. All right. So my daughter, this was for her 13th birthday. I bought her a t-shirt that says bone crusher. Yeah. Because she actually broke one of my toes in a wrestling match. Yes. So that's, so next time you see her, you just call her bone crusher. And she, she doesn't like it, but she does like it too. At the same, she's like, yeah. Like, cause partly she blames me. She's like, I didn't break your toe. You broke, which is actually true. We were wrestling and I kicked the wall. So that's how I broke my toe. <laughs> but so she's like, you broke your own toe. A little bit of that. But she also likes wearing the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love it. So, so that's what I'm saying is that like in that situation, you, you may coach your, your kids differently, expecting a little bit differently, expecting like similarly to be like, no, you have all the rights and privileges and the space to grow in the way that you want to grow and the way that you feel God is leading you to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try my best, but there is going to be a different way, partly because of temperament. Right. Mm -hmm. But partly because you're a girl and he's a boy. And, and what I'm, and I think what we continue to have to come down to is that, well, then what does that mean? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because like, even when I'm saying that it's like, yeah, like I'm, I didn't like hit the tennis ball at my sister's head. Right. I was probably a little bit more patient with my sister, even though I was aggressive. I was shouting, Hey, like, you know, dive, even though I didn't know anything about tennis, but you know, she wanted to practice with me because like Elijah likes sports. Right. She, that she wanted to engage with her big brother, but like I knew football and I was aggressive with my brother. And I was like, Hey man, we're going to learn how to tackle. Cause like, I didn't like that you got trucked and guess what? That never he never that never happened again. Why? Because like I was able to say like I'm I'm gonna be hands on aggressive with you. I can see myself. The only reason why I brought that story is that I can see myself engaging with my son and my daughter that way, right? Coaching them hard, expecting greatness from them equally, right? But also saying like I'm going to have to nuance that a little bit and to say that gender has no play in that i think is disingenuous you get what i'm saying yeah no that's fair i mean i think that um i think that so i had said that i would have to think about it but i think that i could come up with some ways that i treated my daughter differently than my sons because they were different genders and i think that it would almost all revolve around 
some of the more just subtle expectations that I have around what their lives will be like because one is going to be a woman and two are going to be men. Yeah. And that, you know, I mean, even around sports, like we, we, like we never told our kids, you have to play sports. We did tell them like, you have to do something. You have to have something that you give yourself to. Yeah. And, um, the boys gravitated towards sports. And Zoe didn't early on, um, they all played sports from a young age all the way up. And it wasn't really until she got into high school that Zoe started really, like she got into swimming and then got into jujitsu and was pretty serious about both of those. But when she, you know, she played soccer, she did dance, she did a couple of different things where it was kind of like, Oh, that's cool. I did it for a couple of years and then I'm on to the next thing, which that's more her temperament anyway. She's like, she like learned the guitar in a couple of years, got really good at it, dropped it for something else. <laughs> She's always more like that. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that wasn't different. Like we, you know, I told, I, when Zoe was little, I'm like, do you want to wrestle? No, yeah. I don't really want to wrestle. I, but it was like, you could do whatever sport you want. I don't care. Um, and I, but I do think that probably in some subtler ways, maybe like the way in which, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess, I guess I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And we could maybe even wrap, wrap it up. Cause yeah, I, I, I want to continue. I looked at the clock. It's, yeah. it's, 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 we're past an hour. So <laughs> we, we don't have to stop right we're, now, but we nah, shouldn't. Yeah. I feel you. But I, I was going to say that like, I feel like this is, we're going to have this conversation, I'm sure for the next couple of weeks, but, um, mm. Uh, no, probably a, the a next masculinity. few years. <laughs> yeah, this is going to keep coming. But like, I would say this, right? Like, is there a different tension, right, that you have when Zoe's now? She's more than capable. Like, she's she has a bone crusher shirt, mm-hmm. right? Like, she's more than capable of like taking care of herself. Is there a different tension, right, uh, for like Zoe to be out? in the middle of the night, maybe not even just like out and about, like to go to Walmart. Right. Uh, or sure, sure. And she might be like, I never go to Walmart in which I would say, amen to that. You shouldn't, it's the devil's playground. But, uh, but like, but like I'm saying like, let's say she took to go to a store, Walmart. right? <laughs> like literally saw someone walking with one shoe on and one shoe off and like, just was like normal as can be. And somewhere along the line, she had to be like, I tied this other shoe this feels weird walmart is a different world okay mm. anyways uh that's that's a but anyways just saying like is there any type of trepid any type of hesitancy when you think about like yeah zoe's like out at this no that's that's actually good Th- those are some places that we have um had had have done things differently with the kids and yeah. that that is around um like the different and I, and this is actually, this gets at what I've been thinking about as like a way in which men and women are somewhat differentiated, even though like the same basic call is a call to, you know, responsible stewardship over one's life in the world under the, the authority of God, right? That that's, that's the call to both men and women, but then those responsibilities will be slightly different for men and women. The challenges will be slightly different for men and women sometimes radically so, but, but at the very least slightly different for men and women. Um, you know, the manner in which women relate to women and women relate to men is different. It's not completely different, but different from the way in which men relate to women and men relate to men. And so there are just some differences, even though the basic call is one to 
discipleship, stewardship, responsibility, love, worship, like those are all the same. Godliness is godliness. And the call to godliness is the fundamental call to both a man and a woman, but the, the particulars will look different. And so, so you have to, you have to train them to, to learn how to engage. Well, right. So like that world. Well, I've never, I've never once had a conversation with Zoe about what to do with the cops. I've had conversations with my boys all the time about that. Yeah. Because I know the way cops look at teenage boys is very different than than the the way way cops look at at teenage girls. And so like I've, I've had to explain to my sons, you know, there's nothing more dangerous than a man with a gun and a badge. And so right. you need to understand that when you encounter one in the wild, yeah. you need to be as, you know, <laughs> like make sure they can see your hands, make sure you're very polite, yada, yada, yada. I've never had that conversation with my daughter. Yeah. And then I, I have had conversations with all three of them about like being in dangerous circumstances, but the dangers are different for, exactly. you know, a 15-year-old beautiful young woman yeah. than they are for, you know, a 15-year-old handsome young man. Like they're just yeah. not the same. Like yeah. the threats aren't the same and the potentials aren't the same. And so, yeah, like I've had conversations with Zoe about, I mean, she's incredibly competent. She's incredibly good. Um, and she's smart and wise. So she does understand what's out there, but she also doesn't understand what's out there from a firsthand perspective. Yeah. And so like I've had conversations with her about, you know, what is out there in the world from some really bad actors that I haven't actually had those. Well, and and vice versa. So like I've had conversations with Zoe about the possibilities of encountering sexual violence. Like mm-hmm. Tammy and I have had conversations with her about that. We haven't had those conversations with the boys. We have had conversations with the boys about um, like what could happen to them if they get into sexually compromising situations and the kinds of threats to their their um, reputation and even to their freedom that could happen if they allow themselves to get into certain situations. Yeah. You know, so which is very different, you know, like the dynamics are different for a man and for, you know, for a teenage woman and a teenage man around those things. And so we have definitely like that. I would say that that's absolutely a place where we've talked to them in very different ways. And I, I don't know about others though. Yeah. And, and, and to say that the way that the world, um, like that's not a that's not an equal balanced plane that the way that the world will interact with them when it comes to like specifically those issues right like those and when we know that because of all the I man you can go me to whatever church to all these different things right like the world is still trying to figure that out mm. like what is the way that we can make sure that we're having those conversations healthily how are we keeping people safe how are we making sure that bad actors are the ones which are being taken out of the the picture and that good actors are actually you know remain good actors and that are not being deba- like all those are are, are 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 conversations that we have for for a long time and so like I think next time we definitely should di- dive into this like idea of masculinity and sexuality um because I th- I think that's that's so, where I think like I have to I have to listen to the next uh, Mars yeah. Hill podcast cuz that's the, that's that that's that one. Yeah, man. So yeah. I'll listen to that and we will talk about that. Yeah, sounds good. Is there anything else that we should uh should we just push pause here? Yeah, man. I think I think the people got what they wanted. <laughs> All two of them. Two. How come there's only two listens on this podcast? Well, because Elijah and I both listen to it. Yeah, man. I, I like hearing myself talk. Uh, That's great. why I'm a pastor. <laughs>
why are there there's 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 70 views on our YouTube channel. They're all from me. How's that for a conversation? We could talk about that. That that, that would be um oh my goodness. on a special podcast for pastors only. Yeah. I like that. All right. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. Yeah. Have a good one. That's good. 242 is a podcast of Buffalo Vineyard Church in Buffalo, New York. Learn more about who we are and get in touch with us at buffalovineyard.org. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating. Thank you for listening.